If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with MyBookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Good afternoon and welcome, everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Great to be with you on a Balls Wednesday. Hope you're well. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jeff. That's Tom Director Matthew presiding over the proceedings as well, but from a distance. On Twitter, it's at J Cameron Show. How are you? Come on in, everybody. Let's get to chit-chat. Another day. We get closer and closer and closer. That's that's good. Uh, now I'm getting anxious. I'm getting anxious. I'm excited about... Um, the game's excited about the the test to see where the team's at. Uh, the news of the day, I guess, if you'd start by saying that you had an injury um, last week that led to the announcement today that you're you're losing a guy that uh, was certainly going to provide at least some depth and was competing to try to be a starter. Caden Lyles, the Wisconsin transfer, who when we first saw, we thought had a real good chance. Uh, to to perhaps come in here and compete for a position in the interior as either the center or the guard, a center or uh, a guard, but uh, that's not going to happen. He is out for the season. That was announced today by Mike Norvell after practice. So Caden Lyles, not part of that depth. Now, fortunately for Florida State, again, I think they have uh, options. Tom and I talked before we did the show here today, before we came in, we were texting back and forth a little bit about what we think uh, could happen there, and we could maybe speculate a little bit on that. Uh, but, but you know, at, at, first of all, it would mean that Maurice Smith is your guy. I, my estimation was that it was going to be him uh, had this competition played out uh, to the fullest without the disruption due to injury. I feel like he was, uh, in my estimation, again, just my assessment, he was winning that job anyhow. But you do lose a, a depth piece, and... Uh, and a, and a guy who was still going to battle. So who knows if he would have come on in, in the rest of the spring. We, we don't know. I mean, the rest of the fall camp here, we don't know. Uh, it could have maybe been a, a, a backup uh, a guard as well. So it, it's, it's unfortunate for the young man, first and foremost. It's unfortunate for Florida State and their depth. But it's not the end of the world. They have been developing some of the younger guys. Tom and I have talked at length about how impressed and even – Coach Norvell has been asked about him a couple times how good Estes has been in this camp, both at guard and he's getting some work at center. We know that. So they, they rotate lots of guys. By the way, that's not news. They rotate lots of guys trying to figure out uh, which group is going to be the best five, which group is the next best five. And, you know, you move guys guard, center. Sometimes you experiment with guys. you got other people coming back today, which is good news. Uh, so we'll see how this plays out. But the bad news 
is what we start with with the loss of an injury, a loss of a player due to injury for the season. Again, Caden Lyles is out. We wish him nothing but the best uh, and hope that he gets uh, gets better. Now, you, I don't know if you've had a chance to go to Warchant TV, Warchant.com, I should say, and take a look at the audio. It's been posted, Mike Norvell's post-round, post-practice uh, round with the press. Uh, he was very excited about situational work. They had a little shortened practice today. Of course, they're traveling to Jacksonville, so that makes sense. They've been getting after it hardcore. Uh, today, uh, the offense got the better of it. Tom was there. I was not. First day of school for my children, running around doing that. Uh, but I but I, I can tell from reports and from listening to Mike Norvell himself uh, that he was very pleased uh, with the offense and, and, and good to see that uh, Jordan Travis had a good day. That's exciting. A good day might be an understatement. We all have referenced that one particular end to a spring camp practice where we walked out of practice saying, oh, my goodness, both offenses took turns. It was Jordan, then it was Tate, and he just thought, man, what's possible in this moment? I would say that today the effort specifically from 13 was worlds better than that because it was every time they went good on good and 11 on 11. So for people, you know, to understand how they lay out practice, most of the first four periods are visible to the media, and that's the video that you see. Then they shut it down, and everything that happens after that is all about context building for us. We can't tell you exactly how it all breaks out. Yeah. So they do a little bit of teamwork early, and then they come back to it later in the practice. We can at least share that much. Jordan started out like gangbusters, and you're wondering, wow, okay, that's very nice. What a way to uh, assert yourself. And uh, before you get to Jacksonville, show that you've got the your wares all where they need to be. And then you just don't expect it to be as consistent because it hasn't been. You know, he'll have good series and good moments, and then there'll be times where you go, well, I wish he handled that a lot better. Today was just one after the next. It was like a three-point shooter going unconscious in the course of a game in the first quarter all the way through the fourth quarter. And, so, and you say to yourself, will somebody stop this guy? That's what the defense was saying today about Jordan Travis. It was really impressive because it wasn't about his legs. It was about throws and it was about throws over every piece of the field. Yeah, that's good news. Uh, you know, it, you're right. The, the consistency is what we ask for with any of these guys. You know, I, I Tate, for example, we, we've been singing his praises lately, but even Tate will have great days and terrible days and good series, bad series. Now, he's, I think, Again, I will state this: it doesn't. It's not a detriment to to Jordan Travis's game, who has other strengths. But I, I think if we're going pass for pass, Tate Rodemaker's a better passer of the football. But that does that's not the whole answer. That's not everything. But even having said that, Tate's not always out there slinging it around perfectly. He has good decision days, bad decision days, good throws, bad throws. Jordan Travis, same way. His strengths sometimes are on display. You go, wow! You're gonna if you don't have that, you don't have anything. He's important. And then the next thing you go, you're like, I'd like to see a little bit of improvement in this area because you've been here long enough now. We need to, we need to see that. So to hear that here, you know, today that he had uh, start to finish great practice. That's huge. That's huge. That's the consistency that every coach is looking for. You know, an offensive mind like Mike Norvell is looking to see that out of his starting quarterback. Uh, because, and I'll say that unequivocally, his starting quarterback is Jordan Travis. We know this. It's going to be Jordan Travis. So while he's electrifying with his legs, and you'd be foolish not to use that element of his game, in fact, you have to because it's really a lot of your offense is predicated on his mobility, you do want to see him get hot throwing the football and showing that he can do that uh, period to period, series to series, practice to practice. 
Yeah, exactly. Like this isn't a moment where you walk out of the practice fields and you say, "Shut it down, everybody." That Vegas over under is way too low. Ten wins. Here we come. <laughs> it, it's it's nothing like that. But for me personally, just having seen most every snap that Jordan's taken in the last couple of seasons in games and in practice, this is as good as he's looked. So I know that this is in him. It's not about that's the the new Jordan Travis is the guy I saw today. I, that's crazy if you were to posit that. But I didn't know he had this in him consistently with every I mean really in sequence I know we can't get into too much detail right, but really it's just yeah. I mean yes that if, if that's in him then there might be a game or two this season where he go Jesus who is this guy well that'd be huge man wouldn't you I mean we'd all right. get ex- really excited about that I, I, I'm, I'm rooting for that but um, it's not about building up the hype train to say oh wait do you see this kid for 12 games it's just the best of what he has has been redefined for me today it's preseason camp we all salivate every morsel of information we can get we get excited about and we tend to over exaggerate uh, at least in terms of what we can extrapolate from that day that moment so we always warn both ourselves and each other in the audience that hey today was a good day doesn't mean tomorrow will be. Doesn't mean that he's suddenly this other player. Uh, but it does mean that he had a great day today. And you can say it unequivocally, and you should, and that's good. And and more importantly than the perception of what that means or doesn't mean is does Jordan gain from that? Does Jordan begin to feel better about those throws and his pre-snap reads and getting the ball out on time and throwing in rhythm and believing that he can trust his receivers to be where they're supposed to be? That's what these things do. I mean, at various points in his career, he's made throws that big-time quarterbacks make. So you know those throws are in there. They're not always in succession. They're all always carried over uh, per game, per quarter, whatever you want to look at, whatever, uh, you know, how you want to set uh, the, the overall parameters of judgment. But what I would tell you is that you know, to see him do it throughout the course of a day, throughout the course of an entirety of a practice, tells me that maybe he's gaining more trust in his receivers. And that's really important because, you know, he had good reason not to trust him a year ago. They weren't any good. They sucked. Uh, he had good reason not to trust the offensive line to protect him to allow routes to develop last year because they weren't any good. They sucked. Uh, and then there were days where they did those things and Jordan didn't make the throws. So there's been enough blame to go around. Let's hope this is the start of a trust that carries over from practice to practice, game to game. Yeah, he's he's got to feel better, and so do the receivers after today. One of the things that stuck out to me because – they worked inside for most of the day, so I'm glued to this area where they have the replay screen. I love that replay screen, man. It's the best. You can get every well, you can see it from above. That's the best part. So towards the end of practice, they're going in the opposite direction, and you just hear the roars from the offensive sideline in a way that I've only heard the defensive sideline roar right, for right. most of camp. It's not to say that defense always wins, it's just they're usually more loud and engaged. That's kind of defense anyway. Yeah. But the offensive sidelines were feeling it today, and it's because different receivers stepped up. It wasn't that a different guy stepped up today and then other dudes took a, you know, a turn for the worse right. on a Wednesday practice. Name a receiver and they had a good day today. And if for example, Johnny Wilson, we can't get into details, but what I will say is if you're a general FSU fan out there and you say, "I hope Johnny Wilson can do this." Today was he was a day that he would fill in that blank for whatever you want it to be. He was able to do a lot today. So just a really good day for the offense. Here's hoping we're not at October 15th saying, man, it was fool's gold way back in August. It was all fool's gold. I, I think that they've got better in them, and they showed that today, and now we know it for sure that they do have better in them. 
Yeah, we mentioned the injury to Caden Lyles to start the show, unfortunately, but we there's another injury, uh, and it involves uh, somebody on Florida State's schedule. It's important to note he's one of the better players in the conference. Wake Forest is Florida State's opponent on October the 1st. Why is that relevant? Well, I'm not trying to be crass by ignoring the impact of an injury on a player and his status. I wish him well. But Sam Hartman's the quarterback of which I speak for Wake Forest, who had himself a banner season a year ago and was expected to only bolster the numbers he's already put up and possibly put himself in a position to make a lot of money in the National Football League. It was announced today that he will miss an unspecified period of time uh, as there is an injury uh, to the Demon Deacon quarterback. He had a procedure done is what it means. Non-football. Yeah, so it, it was a non-football related issue, the school announcing today. It's been reported on a lot. My friend David Hale is who I'll give the credit to. Is he does a great job for ESPN.com covering the ACC and college football in general. Uh, he noted, again, that it was a not foot, uh, non-football injury and it, he was going to be out for an extended period of time. He did have a medical procedure even though it's a non-football related thing, it is a medical procedure. Um, he had he want he, he basically during a workout on Tuesday he sought medical attention. Something happened during that workout. We can't know what it was, but it was enough for him to know I need to go see somebody. And then it required a procedure. So we just wish him well. I wish him well. It it could have a huge impact though. It really could. I mean, again. I understand there are more important things in the world than football. That is absolutely true. Everybody gets that. We're all adults here. Now, assuming you get that too, let's talk about what it means. Florida State plays Wake relatively early in the schedule. If Sam Hartman's out, this was a game that you looked at here at home, uh, partially as no doubt a revenge game because of the six turnovers and the penalties galore and the ass-kicking that Florida State took at Wake Forest, but also because if you're going to take the next step forward, if Florida State's going to get to eight wins, God forbid nine wins, something magical like that, this was a game that fell in the category of, all right, we might be might be slight underdogs at home, could be a 50-50 game, can you win it? He's one of the many veteran quarterbacks you'll be facing that will test your defense if he's out. And it's a big if, we don't know. But if he's out for that game, Florida State will be a significant favorite in that football game, barring they've got Joe Montana behind uh, uh, behind Sam, uh, I got to believe that uh, that's a huge step back. Hartman was incredible last year. Go look at those numbers. So I would think that's a you know, and he is such a leader for that team. He is beloved by his teammates. He has not only the the ability, which is fairly elite within that system. He's also had all the experience, tons of reps. So potentially a significant setback. Obviously, again, we wish him well, but if we're just talking about the football. If he's out for that game, Florida State would be, I think, uh, uh, it, would, it would shift to Florida State being a, a favorite at the very least, maybe even a significant favorite. A couple of context things on that. Number one, even before this non-football-related issue, Hartman had another year of eligibility next season, even before this particular issue. And the second thing is, Clawson up at Wake Forest has been adamant in saying that he's going to be back this year. Yeah, he did. He yeah. said that. Yeah, no, I know he'll be back. I mean, that's why... This didn't feel like a catastrophic thing. This wasn't one of those things where you read it and you're trying to read between the lines as a fan and you get scared because it kind of reads like cancer or something like that where you kind of raise an eyebrow. This doesn't sound like that at all. In fact, he returned to the camp to see the players to let them know he was fine. And, quote, 
He wanted those guys to see him and let him know he's okay. He wanted to come out here with a smile and be with his teammates. He's in a real good place like now. He's extremely motivated. Football's important to him. He loves Wake Forest. He said he's fine. Guys, quote, I'll be fine is what he said to the team. So this is, this is, I mean, I don't, <laughs> unless they're short of knowing what it is. I, right. Yeah. I mean, good God, he's telling everybody he's going to be okay. So this is not a tragic situation. It's an unfortunate situation. Um, Let's just be honest. Uh, if he happens to miss the Florida State game, boo-hoo. I mean, hey, look, we're trying to win some damn games around here. And Lord knows Florida State has had a gazillion injuries and setbacks to players. I don't root for that for other people unless they're awful people. But, but it, you know, we've had it happen here a lot. Nobody's pitying our 5-7 and seven ass uh, taking advantage of these opportunities with guys being out of the lineup, especially up and down that offensive line. So, you know what? It happens. It's football. It's a rough game. Guys get hurt. You know, if it if it happens to your opponent and it gives you an advantage, you know, you got to take advantage of it. That's all I'm saying. So we'll see. Because that was a game that I think um, we we would really worry about because of his talent. He may play anyhow, so it may be a moot point. But we we don't know. That's October the first. It's just something to circle and look at there. News from the ACC in college football. And I would I would say it's funny. Uh, the, the, de- the die is cast in a way right now. If you're looking at prognostications, I, you know, you guys know this for, for some of the other work that I do for uh, some other sites and, and things like that. I'm constantly looking for, uh, let's just put it this way, uh, betting opportunities, Tom. The winning edge. Yeah. The w- you want to do that? Yeah, we can make it a commercial. So I'm always looking for these things. And so I end up having to read a lot of publications, and I go to a lot of websites. And guys, that you know, after a while you do this, you find out guys that are a little bit more trustworthy than others, guys who do their research, guys that are a little bit more thorough, guys who do a good job of assessing what they're seeing. And, um, man, I'll tell you what, it's a polarizing team, Florida State, in the betting community. And you got a lot of people who are like the coaches poll. Like, eh, bums, no shot. Another four or five wins for those bums. And then... There's a whole other group of analysts that are like, could be the surprise of the ACC may win nine games. You're like, good God, there's no middle ground right now when you do these reads uh, from a betting standpoint on Florida State. It's fascinating to see the way we're perceived. Just an observation. because I've been doing a lot more of this in the, in the days and weeks uh, behind us and will moving forward, but it, it's, it's funny. I, I just I noticed that. Well, it's because I, I think – Two trajectories are not equally possible. I'm on the optimistic side, but how you start is how you're going to finish in all likelihood here. I think so. You, know, you can't go one and two and then magically finish nine and three. You know, it's just that's the odds are so stacked against that. You got to yeah. you got to start two and one with Boston College at home after all that craziness of a Sunday by Friday. I mean, that's crazy for weeks two or games two and three in the season. If you start two and one, you're off and running. If you start one and two, yikes. Well, the other reason, Tom, and you've correctly pointed this out, but it's for everybody else, too. Yes, you're going to get the Duquesne win, but it's LSU and Louisville where you have to go one and one. That puts you at two and one. You host Boston College. That is a mess on the offensive line and a team you beat on the road last year and you feel good about beating again this year. Then you're hosting the aforementioned weight game. We'll see if Sam Hartman's even going to be able to play. But then from there, if you're not in a good position – well, you know, we've learned our lesson to assume certain things based on last year's start and finish to the season. But you are going on the road to NC State, then hosting Clemson. And, yeah, you get a laugh or we think against Georgia Tech, but then you're on the road against Miami. Three out of those four games are admittedly very difficult tests. So 
you got to be in a good position before you go on that stretch. Not just because your margin for error is gone if you start poorly, but because of the psyche and the mentality. When you're coming off as many losing campaigns as Florida State is, you haven't had much to hang your hat on. If you still don't have anything to hang your hat on before you go to NC State, yeah, what makes you think you're suddenly going to be emboldened with confidence that you're going to go win that game, a team that beat you a year ago right here, and a team that's better than they were a year ago with a veteran quarterback and a place that'll be going? I mean, listen, it just you could just see it spiral. You're absolutely right, and I think that's why I'm so anxious for the season. The scenarios are drastic. Florida State could get off to a huge start, a great start, with wins over a Louisville and an LSU, and suddenly everybody's walking around with an air of confidence we haven't felt in five years. Or You're looking at 4-0 or 5-0 right in the face Right in the face. Or it's same old, same old, and you've lost the recruits again, and you're about to go through a stretch of four games where only one feels very winnable. That that would be brutal. It's just a. I I, I think everything about the season sets up for extremes. It's fascinating. Jeff Cabertrud, ninety three three Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Jeff Cabertrud, ninety three three Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Good to be with you. You know, we often we often uh, bring these things up as an aside, just to point out some other sports news of the day, of course. But uh, Serena Williams going to retire after the U.S. Open. Nobody will get a ticket. That's it. You're screwed. If you wanted a U.S. Open ticket, the ship has sailed. And if you have one, you just you, you won just, the lottery. Yeah, you're about to make a lot of money. A 23-time Grand Slam champion. You know. You know. By the way, I kind of like this part of it. So there's this is twofold because she she knows enough to know. Time to get, time to get with the kid. It's over. Hadn't been real competitive lately, and we always we always lament when any of the giants of our time, the greatest players in their respective sports, stick around too long and embarrass themselves out here getting smoked, zero and one by some bum you've never heard of, ranked one hundred tenth in the world. Can't have all that. Not for Serena. No, no, don't do it. So she knows it's time. It's time. Plus, she wants to have another kid. Wow. Listen, let's just be honest. At that age, if you have a second kid and you want to be a world champion, it ain't going to happen. You you can't do it. It's just not going to happen. So she knows enough to know that. But I like this. This shows that competitive spirit. The way I see it, I should have had 30-plus Grand Slam titles. Detailing some of the hurdles that she's had to play through since giving birth in 2017. But woulda, coulda, shoulda. I didn't show up the way that I... Should have every time or could have, but I did show up 23 times, and that's extraordinary. So that's a nice mix, nice little mix. It is a nice mix, nice mix of like if don't I had, forget who I am, right? But I I feel like I, I left a few out there. If I had that approval score little button that they have you for know, debates, you're moving you know, around. I'm like, yeah. no, that's weak. Well, that's true. Uh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a little. Yeah, it was a good yeah, Alonzo morning little, moment there. I'm like. Ooh, out of here with that. That's not so bad. Yeah, yeah, good point. So there, there is that news. There is the news that the uh, the live golfers will not be allowed to play in the FedEx. Which, by the way, uh, points race and all that good stuff. That's that's a nice blow for live. But I, uh, I, I especially like that it happened uh, to the to the three that were personally suing the PGA Tour because that's a toughie. That's a tough one to to, to lose out on. It seemed like a a slam dunk. Uh, didn't happen for them, so they won't participate 
Uh, in the interim, uh, Ricky Fowler gets in at 125 because those guys get removed. So he gets to play. Now the mighty have fallen at exactly 125. Mm, world events needed to happen in order for that dude to make the playoffs. It's, that's a that's a toughie. Well, hopefully we are the Ricky Fowler of the college football <laughs> playoff this year. Remember this. He's exempt for a long time in the next several years because of victories that he's had on tour and the money he's made and all that. But as far as the playoffs, yes. I just hope we are known as the Ricky Fowler of college football this year. We would be known as something better than Ricky Fowler. We would be a guy that has won, to go back to mm. tennis, let's go to tennis. We'd be, we'd be known as a guy that had won several Grand Slam titles in our past and then remained dormant for several years and then went on a magical run again. Yeah, we're Federer at Wimbledon next year. But there you go. Speaking of retirement, Serena should put her arm around old Fed. Be like, Come on, man. Our time was great. So you can still make the quarterfinals. Our, t- our time the was great. The tennis grand. draw is embarrassing that they're letting these old dudes still make it to quarterfinals and semifinals anytime they strap it up. It seems close to that. Chris Sale fell off his bike and is done for the year. Man, I don't know what it is about pitchers, but it's more than just throwing. It's more than just elbow injuries. Like a lot of times when you and I talk about a prospect, now Chris Sale's not a prospect. He's been great for a long, long time. But when we talk about guys that are dominating – uh, on the mound, we always hold our breath because you never know from start to start. You're like, oh, shoulder tightness, here we go, because it's an unnatural motion. So it happens all the time. But then there are dudes who also fall under the umbrella of pitcher, that is their job, who get hurt sleeping, sneezing, taking a cab, slipping down steps, putting on shoes. Chris Sale falls in this category. He's going to miss the rest of the 2022 season. He fractured his wrist. He was already on the 15-day DL after uh, hurting his pinky finger during a July start. He was uh, returning home Saturday, rode his bike to grab some lunch, got going a little too fast, hit a bump, and flew off the front of the bike. (laughs) Dude, you're a world-class athlete. We can't ride a bike? Get it together. If he was Nick O'Leary, the ground would have cracked in half. Remember that footage? Harrowing footage. I remember there were rumors of the Nick O'Leary hitting the bus footage, uh, floating around for weeks in advance of actually seeing the copy of him ricocheting off the glass of the bus, uh, the front windshield, and then getting up calmly walking away. But uh, I didn't believe it. I remember somebody telling me, like, you know, I've heard. My friend Jack has seen it. O'Leary got hit by a bus. I mean, legit hit by a bus. What? Yeah, yeah, you see the cam from inside. He hit the glass at the front of the bus. What? Yeah, hit hit by a bus and got up and walked away. It's the damnedest thing. And I didn't believe it. And then I saw the footage of him getting hit by a bus. He did a better job with a bus than he did blocking linebackers. <laughs> yeah, but he, he made up for it as an elite oh, well, of course he tight end, I mean, man. The suplex and the uh, Clemson in 13, old unbelievable truck job that got Kirk Herbstreet all Gary Danielson in that moment. That was brutal. Ooh, ooh. Just adding, Kirk. yeah, but adding to it was awesome. It was, I remember laughing aloud, as they say. I was like, oh, sir, that is not what we do here. Old Herbie wouldn't have been allowed to be that uh, uppity about Florida State if Fowler was standing next to him, but it was Brent on that night. Uh, Nicole Auerbach, who writes for The Athletic, reporting that the uh, Big Ten is in the process of finding, uh, finalizing their media rights deals, and ESPN is out. They said, no, no, nay, nay. We have pulled out of negotiations. I know you were worried about what that last word was going to be. There it is, negotiations. That's it. They are out. 
The network said to uh, note the conference's final offer, which was a seven-year deal worth $380 million annually. Fox, which had locked up Big Ten rights months ago, is uh, co-partnering with whomever the Big Ten is now going to add, which is believed to be NBC and CBS. Yeah, in the beginning when I heard that ESPN was out, I wondered if this was a net positive for Florida State. Pulling their money towards a mega SEC in which Florida State and Clemson would be a part of? Well, you know, if the Big Ten was still a part of ESPN, then perhaps Florida State could move to either of the two conferences. Being my thought, you know, ESPN would shuffle them to either brand. And when that came off the table, I said, this isn't good. And then I heard NBC was involved with the Big Ten. I thought, oh, this is great because this is the next step towards Notre Dame telling the ACC that you can keep the money from all other sports. For football, we're going to the Big Ten with everything else. So screw you. You can have the grant of rights for lowly softball. You could, it, We're going to go get that football money with the Big Ten, and therefore that should spur ESPN on to help fortify the ranks for the SEC. So I think this is a net good. The grant of rights still stands in the way, but somebody's going to drop kick that thing in the next four or five years. Two things. John, yes, he hit the bus. Either way you want to look at it, a bus hit or he hit a bus. Uh, and that fitted that, that footage, I think it can still be found rel- relatively easily. Uh, I haven't gone and looked for it in years, but it's spectacular. Secondly, uh, Life Spectator, you win. Well done. Thank you. It's an oldie but a goodie. No Big Ten for the ESPN. Pam Ward is sad. See what uh, NBC wants to do with this as well is get the games on Peacock so that they can get their streaming service more robust. So Notre Dame's contract is up soon too. Yes, mm-hmm. and they are going to cash in. By the way, there it is. Well, maybe as a part of the Big Ten. I don't think so. I think they're going to remain independent. You think, you think so? I do. I do. I don't think they're in any hurry. So the rumor is that NBC would have the prime time. Big Ten game. CBS would have the 3.30 window, 2.30 central for most of those Big Ten institutions, and hell, 12.30 for some future Big Ten institutions out on the West Coast. But if that's the case, then Notre Dame would be the midday NBC draw, and then the Big Ten would play at night on NBC. So they'd have a doubleheader. Oh, they'd be loving that, wouldn't they? I would have thought they would just... You could flip it. It depends on how big the opponent is for Notre Dame that day. Maybe, but if it's an ACC opponent, then you can't really. CBS but needs to they, get the midday. Yeah, but if they if they're, if they're playing Southern Cal, if they're playing Michigan, if they're because they do that, if they were right. playing, you know, then, then absolutely you could. I just wonder if NBC would say, "Listen, we've got a lot of money we're spending on the NFL. We have all these other sports. Let's just pool our money together in one fell stroke. Let's get Notre Dame and the Big Ten together. Let's facilitate this deal. They're all going to be in the room anyway." Well. The, the waiting's the hardest part, as Tom Petty would say, and I think that's really more than anything else. We know people will be moving. We know it's a matter of time, uh, but we don't know exactly when. And you want to know just how on edge people are. Go check your timeline on a given day or your inbox, depending on how you know tuned in uh, and locked in your, the fans of or listeners of this program or whatever college football in general are. I, I got a, a million notices yesterday that Notre Dame was going to have a Twitter space conversation at some point with Jack Swarbrick this week. And I was like, they're not making an announcement. They're not announcing anything on Twitter. <laughs> on Twitter spaces. Yeah. I don't yeah. think it's going to happen. Of all forums and multimedia, you know where we need to make this happen? The announcement that Notre Dame is no longer independent in football? It's Twitter space. Twitter space. What? Yeah. Uh, and and uh, finally, I would I would point out here, we did address, for those that missed it, 
we did address uh, the the injury to uh, Hartman earlier in the program. So if anybody misses that, and it's not for the year, we don't know how long. It's it's indefinite for now, but uh, he will be back this year. So I guess it's not indefinite. Just on an exact date. It's indefinite in the short term, as Mike Norvell <laughs> as would Mike say. Mike Norvell would say, I was hoping you'd go, go there. I wanted to, I served it up. It's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. You almost have to wait for it. I mean, once it starts, you might as well wait. Crank it. Yeah, us too, Eddie. Us too. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Good to be with you. If you're looking to get regimented, get focused, get locked in, and provide yourself with the best possible way to stay healthy and have more energy on a daily basis, more life, as they say, at Orange Theory Fitness, that's my workout of choice, and I think uh, a good choice for you, too. There are two locations in Tallahassee, Florida. One's in Midtown. You know, I have never taken a class at the Midtown location, and it's now going to start. I'm going to have to start working out at Midtown. Really? Well, I dropped my son off so early in the morning these days over at his high school, and then it's quicker for me to go there than to go all the way back towards my house. And I'm thinking on the days that I'm not going to Florida State football, let's say. Let's say I have a meeting or something like that, and I have this little window. I'm going to go ahead and beat the bejesus out of his mic. Um, then then that's then I go to Midtown. I'm interested to see if there's, I don't know, if I have more energy, if I'm infused with more life at the, at the Midtown location. It's a fun experiment. For obvious reasons. The Midtown more energy experiment. Fire away. Apparently it's a Impressive roster of folks that head to Midtown. So I think that it's actually easier, if I was to drive to either of those two locations, to go closer to your house yeah. than to get to Midtown. For you. Yeah. Yeah, for where you are. Yeah. It's impossible. Midtown's tough, yeah. Uh, first class is always free at Orange Theory Fitness. First month free with the purchase of a heart rate monitor. You'll need that heart rate monitor because you've got uh, interval training you're doing. You want to see how much stronger and uh, how your stamina increases and what you're able to do, how far you're able to push it. So it's uh, it's a great workout with really fantastic instruction uh, and, and sort of a, I think, a, a team atmosphere, really, more than anything else. I think people get intimidated when they look in there and they see everybody working so hard and stuff, and they think, well, I don't know if I want to do that. But it really turns out that the coaches and the other uh, folks seeking better fitness are rooting for you, not against you. Orange Theory Fitness, two locations in town. Check them out. Uh, there was a question here uh, that I wanted to touch on, um, <laughs> and it is this one. Tamorian Terry was far from a complete receiver, yet put up monster numbers on essentially the same type of route. How does Span compare to him? He's not as polished. He's, he's even rawer, I think, than Tamorian Terry was. Tamorian Terry, uh, unfortunately kind of, I think, squandered an opportunity in his life here to be uh, an NFL player for some time. Uh, I, I think he had it in him to be a, a good player. Not an elite player, but a good player in the league. His body type was phenomenal. And um, he actually, when he was locked in, it was a very small stretch of time where he was locked in. But when he was, he actually he had good hands when he cared to play, when he was, when he was really working hard. Um, again, the window is very small to find that place and time where that existed. Uh, but 
Span is also a guy that is impressive on the hoof, as they say. When you look at him, you immediately notice that our segment group at wide receiver does not feature anybody that looks like him. Um, requisite height, size, speed is better than, I'd say, all the receivers we have at that size, certainly, um, in terms of that height or anything else. So, yeah, I, I think he's going to help us in special teams. He's going to help us as a receiver. I think he just, it, you know, he hasn't played a lot of receiver, period. He had five catches at Illinois. So he's only going to get better because he's dedicating himself to it. He's been better and better and better throughout camps, plural. You know, I thought he was as raw as they come when we saw him in spring and had a long way to go. And I did not, I certainly didn't put it in pen that he was going to be on a depth chart in a way that was going to help us all that much as a receiver. Maybe as a returner, I thought there was hope. I thought in the quick game they could use him, get it out in his hands. thought maybe some of the jet stuff, you could get it, get him in the ball. And, and, and that's just where my head was at with him early on. And now that we've watched fall camp, he's becoming a more complete receiver, and I do think they're going to try to utilize him a lot more often than I would have suspected going back to what we were looking at in spring. And that's good news. Good news. Shows that his commitment is there, his focus is there, and his dedication to hard work is there. He has no more illusions about being a quarterback, and he is locked in solely on being a receiver. Yeah, this question came up on the boards yesterday, which you can be a member of for just $1. It's a buck! Yeah, that's right. It's Warchamp. a buck! That's right. Just head to the website. It's right there at the top. It's in green. That's where you can sign up for one year for $1. My answer was uh, mostly the same, but just a, a little bit different with the, the deuce span take as to where he is right now. Tamorian played much taller. Like, even though Deuce is all of six foot four, yeah, just the way he played, probably the lankier frame from Tamorian, he presents like a taller target. Deuce, I would say, already shows more willingness to be um, involved in, in more of the route tree. Like, it's not just a nine or a deep post, which is, that's all it seemed like Terry ever wanted or cared to run. One of the glory, baby. Right. But there's a lot of catches to be made in different parts of the football field, and it seems like Deuce Span has taken um, an appreciation for that. And he's trying to work in as many facets as he can as a receiver because it's more than just being that type of outside threat. He's not trying to be a one-trick pony. And I think he's already more apt than Terry was at this point in his career at running more different kinds of routes, which is a good thing. It bodes well for the long term for Deuce. Yeah, my thing with him, and this is where I tell people to be patient, uh, if you've not had a lot of game reps at wide receiver, things move really quickly. And it is a, a short, and violent action, anything in the middle of the field, that takes some getting used to, man. Takes some really getting used to, and 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 learning how to run, where where your head doesn't bounce and you're able to lock in and and kind of gain control of your body. There's very specific techniques for that. These are all some of the unseen elements of learning how to p play wide receiver. And so while you're working on that, you can certainly do it every day at practice, and he does. And you can rep it, but you got to do it in games when the world is speeding past, where there is something at stake, where there is an opposing safety breathing down on you or underneath a linebacker, where you have to learn how to slow things down, be confident in what you're doing, understand the depth, see the ball into your hands, make the catch away from your body, and understand that you're going to get hit. And that's just going to take time. He is – I'm not trying to 
paint a picture of a guy who's mechanical. He's not. He's an athlete. But he is going to have to do it consistently in games and get used to it. I mean, like anything else, you get used to it. You know, it's always remarkable. We see this all the time, and I'm reminded of it at the start of every camp once they go into full pads. There's a reason that a, a professional fighter can take a punch to the face, and you and I can't. We don't get hit every day. They do. They're sparring every day. Well, not every day, but they're sparring a lot. Their, their body is used to being punched. They have to rep it and get used to that. I remember when you first go into pads, you end up that first week battered and bruised. Your body's like, what are we doing here? But then it hardens. It gets tough. And you can and you can take shots you could not have taken at the beginning of camp. And you're able to just kind of bounce up. So I think that's true of receivers. That's true of football players in general. I think that the more you do it, and then when you do it in games, you just get used to it. And all of a sudden, the magnitude of that moment, the adrenaline that runs through you that spikes severely and exhausts you and takes away your concentration, that subsides over time the more you rep it. He just hasn't played a lot of college football from the receiver position. Yeah, I heard you guys yesterday debate numbers with Deuce Span when you're doing your rapid-fire questions, which was fun. Um, well. Yeah, that, well, it was like Jimbo. Bam, bam, bam. I was impressed. Let, let him know. Never again. <laughs> if the five touchdowns was a good number. The the fifteen catches I think it was was fifteen or eighteen twenty I one, thought one they of those said. two well it might have been eighteen I think that's attainable because he is invested in being able to be more than a one trick pony sure especially against the lesser opponents might rack up a four or five catch day so you get a lot to. of work like against a Duquesne or something along those lines but because he is willing to be more than a nine and a nine only and that's mm-hmm. you know it's just when he's out there it's almost like you're giving away what you're running the play that you're running. It's not like that because he, he cares to be more detailed and because he's shown growth in those facets of near the line of scrimmage, down the field, there's a chance. There's a chance he gets into the high teens. I think a good one. Yeah, I balance, I juxtapose these numbers that we have for our receivers two ways. The first is, okay, how big a leap is this passing game going to take from a year ago? A year ago, our top receiver caught 15 balls. Oh, something absurdly low, yeah. I mean, sweet Jesus, what are we doing out here? Double-check that. I think it's 15. It's absurd. Anyhow, so I, I juxtaposed where the passing game was and where we'd like it to be and what it's capable of based on the improvements to the segment group and the offensive line, and then, of course, whatever improvements Jordan Travis is making as a passer. 24 from Parchment. Oh, 24. Well, you would never have guessed that from Parchment, by the way. I think like 18 of the 24 came in three games because there's a whole lot of nothing. But it's still 24. It's still 24 from a dude who caught a million balls at Kansas and had been a receiver. You know what I mean? Like, oh, for a while. So, okay, that's where we're at with that. Uh... Then secondly, I judge it by, and I and I get back to the offensive line being a big part of this. You know, we, you really couldn't trust that Florida State could, could you know, could have plays to develop consistently because of the offensive line, and, and Jordan would give up on him too soon because he didn't trust the group in front of him or the receivers. So I, I, it's interesting. They've got a chance to take a big step forward, but even still, it's not the strength of the team. The strength of the team is going to be running the football whether it be with Jordan Travis, Trey Benson, Ward, you name it, it's going to be designed running the football. They want to punish people. They want to run the ball. I think that's just playing to your strengths. I don't think that's necessarily Mike saying, I have to be this. Mike has always, going back to his Memphis days, 
played to his team's strength. I like that about him. It was one of the things I liked when we hired him. He's had running backs that he produced and put into the pros because when he had those guys, when he had horses, he gave them the damn football and played to it. When he had other guys at other positions that he felt better about, he threw the ball around a little bit. So he's playing to the strengths of the team, and I think the strengths of the team without question is the rushing game. So how many hit? How many at-bats are they going to get? An individual receiver in this offense, how many at-bats is he going to get per game as opposed to a passing offense like Wake Forest's or a passing offense like you'll see this year at Miami, although they're going to run the ball more because Crystal Ball's back, but they have a quarterback. You know what I mean. Sure. Um, so so I just – it's interesting. Uh, you do have to juxtapose those things. I think It's kind of tough. Yeah, to me, I think there are a lot of opponents there, defensively speaking, that you could achieve – an early statement with the ground game and then go to passing off of that and still be in the third quarter by the time you're like, man, they can, they can move the ball around. It's Duquesne. I think Louisville's defense is gettable. Wake Forest certainly defense is. Defense is really gettable. I'm, I'm skipping over uh, Boston College. You might get more possessions just because their <laughs> offense can't move the ball, but I don't think it's going to be because, be because that we're offensively productive on our own. That defense is good, but they just don't have any offensive linemen. Uh, certainly Syracuse and Georgia Tech. Louisiana. I mean, you've got several opponents where I think you're going to see those at-bats for the receivers because you're so good at running that you're going to open up the pass game by nature. Yeah, but those at-bats are going to go to Malik McClain, Pokey Wilson, guys like that first and foremost, Johnny Wilson, Micah Pittman. Yeah. That's why Deuce's number is hard to get to sure. in my mind. That's where I go like, Ugh. hey, if he gets there, it means we're doing good things. I'll say that. Hour number two, fourth coming. Stay with Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV.